Today's sermon comes from the book of Colossians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 11. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. You all uh, are hearing from me more than usual lately. I hope that you are okay with that. I'm certainly okay with it. It is a blessing and a joy uh, to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. Uh, I chose this text out of the lectionary texts a couple of weeks ago, and as uh, tends to happen, got into it uh, expecting one thing and ended up discovering uh, a sermon featuring sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So, now that I have your attention, let us pray together. Almighty God, you have gathered all things together in Christ, who is our beautiful Savior, the King of creation, Son of God, and Son of Man. Send your Holy Spirit now, the same Holy Spirit who inspired these words to open our hearts to receive them, that we might more and more be renewed in the image of Jesus Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be honoring to you, our rock and redeemer. In the name of Christ we pray together. Amen. In a 2018 article in First Things Journal, an Irish writer reflected on his 28 years of sobriety, saying, Looking back, I do not regard as myself the person who, with conscious forethought, had his last alcoholic drink on the afternoon of July 29, 1990. As my backward gaze scans the late months of 1990 and no short time beyond, I cannot now claim to know this person who experienced difficulty in not picking up an alcoholic drink one day at a time, but then one day awoke with the thought that all the drink in New York City would not be worth a single dollar. 
I cannot, for example, access the personality of someone to whom alcohol meant so much that he needed supernatural powers to assist him in avoiding it. If any of us were to turn our gaze backward to things that we have done, things that we have said, things that we have felt or thought in the past, we may very well understand this sentiment to some extent. Sometimes a, a trip to a hometown or down memory lane, a visit from an old friend can trigger such an experience, and you might find yourself thinking, oh, that was the old me. Or maybe the change comes so drastically or suddenly that you find yourself exclaiming, I feel like a new person. The writer goes on to point out that at every Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, a document is read entitled How It Works that outlines the general nature of the program. One piece of it reads, Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. This is more or less the spirit of this and the surrounding passages in Paul's letter to the Colossians. We read of an old self. We read of a new self. And in between, something has happened. It has been said that addiction is the best analogy we have for what sin is. And if this is true, and I believe it is, it means that we are all essentially in recovery of a sort. Sin, like addiction, lives somewhere between disease and decision, letting our desires run wild, destroying and deserting our soul. For Paul, this is what we were like. These are the ways you once followed, Paul reminds the Colossians, when you were living that life. Paul, ever the lover of lists, offers vices in sets of five. Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language. More than the specific actions, hear the threads that sew these together. They are sins of uncontrolled desire and disunity. They are behaviors that consume and divide. Part of the occasion for Paul's letter to the Colossians is that they are currently being sold an alternative spirituality that says the problem with all of this is your body, is the physical world. It taught that severe ascetic disciplines against your body will help you ascend to spiritual visions and wisdom, a secret knowledge that will help you to escape the pains and evils of the physical world. Paul writes in response to reject this project. Throughout the entire letter, he repeatedly affirms the physicality of the gospel, that the fullness of God dwells in Christ in human flesh. The problem isn't our body, or our money, or our words, but what we do with our body, our money, our words. Paul's imperative to put to death is aimed at wherever our wants or our words are selfish, divisive, hurtful, or untruthful. 
Paul calls out fornication, not because physical intimacy itself is evil, but because unchecked sexual ventures make the other an object of my desire. Paul calls out greed, not because things are bad to have, but because limitless consumption inevitably leaves someone else in need. Paul calls out anger, not because our feelings need to be rejected or repressed, but because they can so often be wielded, or rather they can wield us to harm others. There was once a certain man living not far north of here. He was coming to a retirement age, and he had done very well for himself. So he sat back and thought to himself, what should I do with all of this that I have earned, all of this wealth? After thinking a while longer by himself, he said to himself, well, I'll, I'll make some safe investments, and I'll design a new house to better accommodate my lifestyle. Things are getting a little cramped as it is. Then I can tell myself that I'll be set and secure for many years to come. So that's what he did. He built a new house uh, with ample space while his money worked for him. And the night he moved in, he made himself a celebratory dinner with a special glass of something from the cellar. He settled himself into sleep, and he was dead before morning. This is what we were like, organizing the world around ourselves, whether by our greed or by our grudges, living under the rule of our own desires and self-deception. That story, by the way, was simply a slant on a parable that was one of our other lectionary texts this week. But it's obviously not enough to dwell just on what we were like. Paul doesn't stop there. And as our original Irish writer I mentioned also stated, a project of recovery is essentially to redirect the addict's desiring over the horizon. Or as Paul paraphrases, seek the things that are above. So let's talk about what happened. Today's reading begins, since you have been raised with Christ. Just four verses earlier, Paul says, since you have died with Christ. And if we take it back just a, even a little further, he reminds the Colossians, when you were buried with Christ in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. In short, this is what happened. With Christ, we died and were raised. And the way Paul writes, it, it's hard to separate the threads where he's speaking about the historical event of Christ, the saving reality of Christ, our relationship with Christ, or our baptism in particular. The point is that Christ's death, death and resurrection is not just something that happened to one person in the past. Belief and baptism in Christ actually draws us into it as participants. As Adrienne von Speer puts in her commentary on Colossians, believers cannot regard the resurrection as a truth that is played out apart from themselves. They belong to it. They also bear this fruit, 
even where their human spirit is completely at a loss, having been hurled, as it were, into such an extravagant situation. In other words, resurrection is not a spectator sport. There's a notoriously tricky word to translate in this passage when Paul talks about the old self and the new self. The Greek word there is anthropon, which is most often translated man. Paul could be speaking of an old and new person or an old and new humanity. This ambiguity allows for a twofold reading in which the mystery of Christ is both intensely personal and immensely public. In the incarnation of Christ, God unites himself with all humanity, unites himself with you. From then on, whatever Christ does represents the deepest truth of who we are as humans. In the crucifixion, God even embraces the utmost limits of human life. And in the resurrection, God overcomes the slavery and the sickness that held humanity captive. My guess is that you've heard this before. But we often stop there, death and resurrection. But Paul's emphasis here in Colossians forces us to go further. In the ascension, when Christ returns to the right hand of God, still fully human. This means that now the truth of humanity is hidden with Christ in God. Who you are, the most real reality about you, is hidden with Christ in God. This is not a hiddenness of secrets or fear. It's a hiddenness of safety, of fullness. I was studying this uh, text at a local coffee shop, and when I arrived, they were playing the Beatles' Revolver album on repeat, which I didn't mind because it's fantastic. Uh, Eleanor Rigby, Tomorrow Never Knows. I mean, come on. And so I'm sitting at the coffee shop, tapping my foot, and as some of you, I believe, have noticed, uh, I have a tendency to whistle kind of without realizing, and so I'm sitting there. And as I'm pouring over these dense concepts of Paul's Christology, quite a different Paul hollers a line that pierces through, got to get you into my life. And I thought, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Not necessarily the whole song, but this line expresses the heart of God in Paul's letter to the Colossians, through Christ to get us into his life and to get his life into us. Christ, fullness of God in human flesh journeys the whole circuit of human experience and brings all of humanity with him into the grave, into resurrected life, and into the heavenly presence of God himself, where who we are, who we really are, is a mystery that is still waiting to be revealed. This is what happened. Death, resurrection, ascension. 
It happened through Christ. It happened to all of humanity. It happened to you. And they talk of improving morally or of becoming a new person for believers in Christ only makes sense within this story. So what are we like now? That story has become the very shape and pattern of our life. As Adrienne von Speer also puts in her commentary, resurrection sends believers on a trajectory, pulling us to let our co-resurrection develop into a co-responsibility. We live resurrected life. In Christ, God rewrote the script of the universe, and whenever we act or speak out of anger, fear, or greed, we are simply reading the wrong lines from an old script that no longer makes sense and sets us out of step with the true story. Or to use Paul's image, we've been given new clothing. He writes, You have stripped off the old self, or old humanity, with its practices, and have clothed yourselves with the new self, new humanity, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Christ took our old life, buried it, and gave us his now we live one day at a time into this renewal, into harmony with a new humanity. And what does this humanity look like? The short answer is Christ. But just as Paul lists broken behaviors, he goes on to offer an alternative list once again of five. Clothe yourselves, he says, with compassion kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Just as the old person was patterned by selfish desire, division, the new is patterned by reconciliation. Paul points out that now in Christ, anything and everything that used to divide us no longer matters. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Clothed in Christ, our eyes are opened to a new humanity unbroken by the barriers in which we once believed. When we look at others, we look at ourselves, we see Christ, the fullness of God, and the firstborn of a new humanity. We no longer condemn and demean others because they are different from ourselves. We no longer see violence and division as necessary evils. We no longer have to hide or lie to one another because we trust that we are ultimately held together in Christ who is the truth. We no longer desire the things that destroy us. Clothed in Christ, we no longer buy the lie that we have to hate our bodies. We no longer insulate ourselves from the suffering of others. Clothed in Christ, we no longer see our lives as hero stories with ourselves at the center. 
We no longer desperately grasp and grab for security and answers and solutions. Instead, we seek a mystery. Clothed in Christ, we no longer define ourselves by the fleeting but often fearful forces that govern our news and social media feeds. We seek peace with all people because our political parties, our opinions, our preferences mean nothing in comparison to our communion in Christ. Clothed in Christ, we no longer settle for a lesser life than His. If this all sounds like uh, quite uh, an extravagant situation, to use Von Spears' phrase, if it sounds uh, rather idealistic, unrealistic, if you're thinking, well, that sounds nice, but it doesn't sound like me, and you're saying this is who I am, remember, in Colossians, Paul is specifically arguing against projects of self-improvement, against white-knuckled practices of self-discipline, and against secret spiritual answers and solutions. Paul recycles the language of putting to death the earthly things and seeking the heavenly things, but now the heavenly things means the person of Christ. All is accomplished in Him who is already seated above. We live death and resurrection because we are safe to do so because of the ascension. Please hear me. This is not some moral ideal to measure against and guilt ourselves. This is who humanity already is in the heart of God. This is who you already are in the heart of God. Because something happened. We died with Christ. We were raised with Christ. And Christ has hidden us safely in God. And when Christ appears again, the mystery of who we are in Him will be fully and gloriously revealed. In the meantime, you are a new person. Seek Christ and don't expect to stay the same.